want to tell you about one of our partners, Quetzal Education Consulting. Quetzal Education Consulting is a queer, black, and indigenous women-owned firm offering anti-racist consulting, PD, coaching, keynotes, workshops, and more. Their newly released Abolitionist Teaching Workshop series coaches and prepares teachers to further develop abolitionist practices in the classroom. Find out why they have been called The Future of Educational Justice by Dr. Bettina Love. You can book a free consultation with Quetzal by calling 510-397-8011 or visiting quetzalec.com. That is Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L-E-C.com. And if you mention you heard about them through Two Dope Teachers, you will receive a 5% discount on their Abolitionist Teaching PD series. Once again, you can book them by visiting quetzalec.com on their Connect With Us page. Exit interview, and we are privileged today to have Jackie Cradle here to tell her story. Finally, get her exit interview. So, uh, Jackie, thank you for being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got your journey into the educational pathway. Oh, thank you, Kevin, and thank you, Dr. Lyons, for having me. Um, so, you know. I think that if I reflect back on my childhood, I like knew I would be teaching. Like I lined up dolls, I was feeding them, I was teaching to them. I I like knew that that was my path. Um, I've always had a heart and a um, uh, a heart for children. Um, although I feel like as my life has changed, it's been more of a heart for educating adults on how to deal with children. But mm-hmm. we'll, we'll start from how I got into education, you know, from, from the beginning. Um, so yes, younger had definitely had a lot of interest with teaching and educating um, animals. And that was dolls and all that type. So my husband and I opened up a learning facility in 2003 in Montbello. Um, what we did is we purchased a house and converted the entire house into an early child care center. And quite honestly, I think that was the, probably the most groundbreaking thing. Um, mm-hmm. I had never seen it done. We had mm-hmm. never seen it done. Um, but at the time we actually were working with then councilman, Michael Hancock to get all of the, you know, the thing, the, um, the codes and the variances and all these things done. And, you know, it was a really great process, but we really both knew like, this is necessary. This is, um, this is something that we need in the community. So kind of fast forward, we had this early learning facility, um, stayed completely at capacity couldn't get kids in, couldn't get kids out, right? We couldn't even get, get rid of kids. So we said, we got to do it again. 
So we opened it, we bought another house and did the same thing. And so um, we had like school-aged children in one, younger children in another, um, took kids to and from school. Like we did some groundbreaking things. We purchased a limousine, drove kids to school in a limousine. Oh, wow. Like, tell me about it. That was so cool, right? Parents were like, you know, oh, we want to ride. We want our kids to go in the limo. Like it was just really giving that experience and that um giving kids something to just really look, look forward to, right? Like you are mm -hmm. worth it. So um, years later, we purchased a facility and tr um, transferred all the children into this facility, which held all of the kids. Um, but as we've been doing this, keep in mind, it's 2003, I'm coming into like 2017, 2018. And I'm a director and I'm helping in classrooms, but there was just this piece of, of me that didn't feel like I was growing. I felt like I was kind of just teaching and leading, but not necessarily even growing in this field. Mm -hmm. um, so I decided to um, take a position um, at another organization as a professional development coach. Um, and then I felt like, okay, I can help other centers and other sites and talk about quality, but I could also kind of have my cup filled as well. Um, sure. and, then and then COVID hit, right? Um, and then George, the George Floyd murders happened and the Breonna Taylors happened. And it was just this big whirlwind of things that, you know, just evolved and continued to happen. And as I'm at this organization, um, I'm sitting in this, this big conference about, um, about these, these um, things that are happening, right? Yep. And nobody said anything about hmm. the murder of George Floyd, like not a word. We're in this meeting, we're having this conversation and inside I'm like, is anybody gonna say anything about this? Are we gonna stand in any kind of solidarity? Are we gonna, because this is, this is a murder of a black man and mm -hmm. this is affecting people of color, not just black people. This is affecting people of color because not only had this just been a televised murder, right? This is one of many that had already happened to other people of color, right? So as I'm in this meeting, the first kind of, uh, the first uncomfortable moment was the silence. And I was like, ooh, not sure about this place because yeah. I would have already had said something, right? Like, let's not, let's not, let's not overlook this. So towards the end of the meeting, I said, you know what? Your silence is offensive to me, period. I can't hold it. Your silence is offensive. The fact that, you know, it's not to, you know, I just won't say anything. No, you need to say something. Like you need to stand for something, right? Um, so that kind of happened. A couple months later, um, they had posted this position for dir director of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I was like, huh. And at the urging of the CEO, she's like, hey, I really think you should apply for it, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I didn't even know this existed. Like, okay. So I applied for the position and um, I, be I became the director of diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? And was it by default? Oh. Hold on one second, Jackie. I want to point something. I want to back up a little bit to this idea. I was just processing it. That's why it went right past. Is this idea of silence? Right, Kevin and I have interviewed so many people who've talked about the silence of of, of employers, yep. the silence of coworkers, folks who just they'll tell you, "I didn't know what to say," or "I felt bad," or whatever. And it's all over the country, same situation. 
right? Where people, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe this is not the story you're telling specifically, but for some folks, it's that they are experiencing push out of their school and those who know it's happening don't say anything. They become mm-hmm. like shut out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so t- people feel like almost like they have leprosy, right? Like mm-hmm. don't talk mm-hmm. to her, don't look at her. You don't want to be associated with her or him or whatever or, or them. And it really, that silence, like you said, it's like deafening mm-hmm. because you want to, so many people want to like look at folks and scream, like, I know that you see me. I know that you know what's going on, right? Um, so I find it interesting. I just want to ask, I know you're talking at this point in your story about the DEI position, but when you said that this you, in this conference, what, how did people react? Oh, the, the jaws were, the mouths were open. Right. No. And here's, I guess, here's the worst thing is nobody like even addressed that. Right. It was like business as usual. It was just business as usual. There was no comment about it. I said, this is offensive. This is offensive. Oh, oh, we're sorry. It's offensive. Like we all witnessed the same thing. It's Mm. not, you know what I mean? It's not, um, it's not like, I had access to something that no one else did, mm-hmm. but more importantly, I think when you mentioned that it's about um, people not knowing what to say or not wanting, to, she's sensitive right now, right? You're damn right, we're all pretty sensitive right now. And yeah. I think that when you look at it in the context of working with children and more importantly, children of color, trust me, they, they, they're aware of it too. Um, yep. not wanting to talk with families about it is to me, that's more offensive. Let's talk about it because I can guarantee you if the shoe was on the other foot, oh, we'd be talking about it for days. Yeah. We'd continue to talk about it. What can we do? What, what should we do? I mean, there'd be all kinds of damn fundraisers and, um, vigils and rallies and let's do this. Look at the insurrection. We had yeah. nothing, nothing else to do, but talk about that. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that the the yeah the motivation and we shouldn't sweep it under the under the carpet or they're too young and things like that. It's just the same thing over and over again. And I know that we have lots of folks in our audience who are white educators, and I'm sure that they may be reflecting at this time about when they've been silent, mm-hmm. and that's good. It's good right. that they sit and think about like those moments when you knew you could have said something you could have stepped up you could have just held space for folks because sometimes it's just like I don't know what to say but I just want to hold space yeah and just say I'm here whatever you need I'm here I don't want to try to push my agenda on you or whatever but I'm here in any way that you need me but it goes back to that feeling of black people are unapproachable it yeah. goes back to that, right? I am not unapproachable, but I am hurting, right? Yep. I am hurting. I, yep. I share oftentimes, um, just to kind of give you a snippet, I, I share oftentimes when I became a director and I had to address the whole entire organization, I made it very clear. When I heard George Floyd call out to his mother, I thought of my own children of color. I thought of my own black sons. Like that was, that was what gut punched me so much. And not just that, it, it, it's, it's just a, um, 
just a cycle, right? And if we keep continuing to repeat the cycle of silence, then then the actions still happen, but they never come to light. We never we never um, fully understand or process it from either end of of the magnitude of what's happened. We never do, right? Or I hold my space of it. I hold my space with other affinity groups of Black people and white people hold theirs, but we never come to the middle and, and discuss like, this is what, this is harsh. This is hard stuff. Um, nor do we ever have an understanding of what it feels like to even be in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I, Karen, you, you might have this experience and you may not, but I just remember you talking about being in different separate spaces. And I think about affinity groups and I, I can see why folks want to separate because when we end up not being in affinity groups, sometimes the work can be very extractive, right? Where black yep. folks are spending all their time teaching, explaining, and, holding, explaining, and yep. we're just drained from all the, not, it, it doesn't have to be tears. It's mm-hmm. just the, 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 the focus is not on what we need. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, Kevin. No, no. I mean, I, I agree with you and I've had that experience and, and I can, can understand, Jackie, the silence at times, you know, because I remember coming back to work after George Floyd. And, and again, I think being further out down the road, you see that, you know, stuff that people said back then doesn't apply anymore. Like mm-hmm. it's just gone away, you know, and I think it's 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 the difference is saying like you know well uh for some of us this work is really you know real and close to our hearts mm-hmm. and for others it's 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 just you know something that that they're exposed to and they can you know experience briefly but don't have to live with mm-hmm. you know it reminds me of a situation that occurred for me when i was in in my role um just to be clear, I've since resigned from that role. Um, yes. But we'll 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 talk in the, we'll talk about that later. But yes. um, I remember when the um, the Buffalo shooting happened, right? Mm-hmm. And I got this message um, from the interim uh, CEO, and she said, "Hey, I wanna I wanna hold some times for folks to just come in and you know give them space to talk about this, right?" And I thought that's really noble. And then I really, my, my second thought I didn't go with, because I was thinking, now, what if I get into a room with white folks that want to talk about this and I'm deeply triggered by this? Yep. Where, how am I going to feel? And I'll tell you by that first meeting, it was that one white person and she was like, oh, I feel so horrible, blah, 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 blah. And inside I'm like, hmm, this is not right. This, I can't be in this space because you yep. need to process that with with yep. her yep. and not yep. with me. Right. Yep. And, and, and I, and I kind of kept, you know, against my, against my good, my, my good mind, I should have just got off the call, but something said, let me share with you. She's like, you know, I'm Jewish, blah, 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 blah. And I said, you don't have to wear your Jewish. Mm-hmm. You could go anywhere. You're, you're white. That's so right. By all accounts, if you line us up, you don't have to tell anybody that you're Jewish. You may be very proud of that. And I'd never discredit that or discount that, but I can't say I'm not black. Yep. There is nothing that someone would believe about me not being black. So I understand how this may feel because you're Jewish and Hey, synagogues have been 
have been attacked as well. And I, my heart goes out to those folks as well. Um, in this situation, it's a lot different because I wear my I wear my color everywhere I go. I can't take it off and I can't put it on. I can't decide when I want to be in that space and when I don't. It is something that is with me all the time, you know? Um, so I do think that affinity groups can be beneficial, but I do, I, I, now in hindsight, I'm like, I could never, I can't be in a space and be expected to hold that space while you process it. Cause mm -hmm. I've done that and yep. it's draining, mm -hmm. emotionally mm -hmm. draining. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So tell us you, you trans, you decided to take this position or you were urged to, and then go ahead and what else happened so, after that? So I'm in this position, um, still honestly, not really knowing a lot about it. Right. I'm, I know about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but I was a pretty, I was pretty new to this and um, started kind of just digging, researching, figuring out like, how does that look in this space? Um, at the time, our CEO was, this is what she did. She was a white woman that, you know, this is the work she was doing prior to working in the organization. And I will say, like, I learned a lot from her in terms of how to do the work, right? But I can't walk in her shoes and she couldn't walk in my shoes. Um, but then it became more of a micromanage, like you could do DEI and it could look like it's coming from you, but it's, it's gotta be my thoughts. It's gotta be yeah. my ideas. It's gotta mm. be my, my, my vision. Right. So anything that I brought to the table was more of like, no, mm -mm, we're going to do it this way. And it was like, am I, am I, am I really the, am I really the director or am I just, or am, am I just the puppet or am I just the face of it? Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say the puppet. Never going to say the puppet, but am I just the face of this work? Is it that you feel like these, that folks can feel like these decisions are coming from a black woman and she's got your back or what have you, or is this just a, is this a, just a filter through? So as I really continued to do that work, it became very, very exhausting because I was, I felt like I was fighting to do what's right, but I was also I was also very clear that I, you can't use my experience to speak for the entire organization because I can mm -hmm. only come from, I can only come from my own identity. I can't speak for the, um, the Latinx folks. I can't speak for the Asian population. I can't speak for um, the LGD, LGBTQ, LGBTQIA plus community. I can't do that. That's not my yeah. identity, right? And yep. so I was more like, don't use my don't use my scope or my ideas let's go outward we need to be out there talking and hearing and things like that um so that's one of the things that i did but again it was like this push it was this uphill push so what was the straw that broke the camel's back i'll tell you i um ended up taking um i ended up we the george floyd murder murder verdict had come out and I don't know where you were but I could tell you where I was at right I was on a call and um they said the verdict is in so I'm on this call with I don't even know who I was like we're not talking right now everybody turn off your cameras because we're waiting for this verdict to come out the verdict came out and I was like yes right and I'm like back on the phone people are crying and blah 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 so my thought was immediately we are addressing this. Granted, like this is 
it's just as it's just as important to address what happened as it is to address the um, the end result. And so I um, had crafted this email that I felt like timing was everything. I, I really felt like we need to be communicating our, you know, com- being transparent. Right. And we also need to address this with our with our community and uh, had this yeah, um, email that I was getting ready to send out. And then came the whole, the push, the filter, the the uphill battle of how does this sound, right? Mm, and at that point, yeah. I wasn't, I didn't care how it sounded, but I wanted folks to know that like, this might sound monumental, but there's still a lot of work to do. This is mm-hmm. definitely... Yes, is this a great win for people of color? Yeah, but we still got Freddie Gray. We still got Breonna Taylor. We still have mm-hmm. all of these other instances. So while we kind of take a deep, you know, aside, let's keep going, right? So that was at about, I'm going to say, we're just going to say it was about five o'clock. Six o'clock came, no response. Seven o'clock came, no response. Eight o'clock came, no response. At that point, I went rogue and I just sent the email, Right forget it. I'm not, I can't be, I can't wait. And I don't want you to have to craft your message because it's not coming from me. This is coming yeah. from me. Yeah. Um, Can we pause for a second? Sure. Shout out for going rogue. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go rogue. We're off to the, we go. need that sticker. Yes. Shout mm-hmm. out go to rogue. going rogue. That will be the name of this particular podcast episode. <laughs> shout out for going rogue. Because yeah, you know, I, it's been so many instances where that waiting for someone, specifically in my situation, white women, to say what I can and can I do in, in regards to race and protecting my own personal, my own body, my own lived experience, where mm-hmm. it's just like, I cannot, I can't wait. We're going rogue. It's right? <laughs> like, whatever happens on that end, it's going to happen. But like, shout out for you for going rogue. I, I know that the audience would probably be like, Asia, shut up. I want to hear what happened. But I just wanted to pause no. that to say, yes. yes. And, and, I, and it was one of those things, I think you get to the point, you don't even care what the outcome is. Like at that point, I'm not saying I don't value the job, but I didn't need it. I have my own business still, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I was just not in the, it just was not the space that I needed to, I did I needed to remain in. I needed people to know that there is just there's let me come from under this veil of what you what you want to see. And so or what she wanted to see. Can I just say one more thing? Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you and you're thinking about this as you were ready to push the send button on this email, that you automatically went to I'm well, I could probably lose my job. Oh, I knew I could. Matter of fact, yeah. I, I was I was for certain of that. And whenever, I, whenever we do anything, that's like the yeah. feeling. I feel like we come at Absolutely. it. It's like if oh, if I say this, this might be it today. You know, like, mm-hmm. but I gotta say it. It has right. to happen. I can't. I can't return your silence. Just won't do it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to return your silence. And that and, was. And you were the DEI. You were the DEI. You, that was. I mean, I'd imagine if. The way I'd imagine why you'd hire a DEI is that uh, you'd want your voice at that moment, right? And, and I mean, this is this is where we need your voice. We need an understanding of how how we need to think about this. 
and how it impacts the work that we're, we do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, like you said, when we have these feelings as black educators, we're, we're saying that uh, something impactful has happened. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. needs to be addressed with our students because if it's having an impact on us, we know it darn sure is having an impact on them. And their, You're parents, their parents too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And their families but it too. can't be your voice. It can't be my voice and your thoughts. Yep. It, it, it just, it can't because you're coming from a different space. You know, I'm coming from a space of, of how I felt when it happened, but I can't give, I, I just, I could no longer be the face and somebody else be the voice or the yeah. thoughts. I'm sorry. I could no longer be the voice and someone else be the thoughts. It was yep. just not there. And I did, I, I got a, she sent me a message. Matter of fact, no, she sent me a text message. Um, this was after the text message. I, uh, I'm not, it was just, I thought we were going to talk this over, but I had received so much other support from folks like saying, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, blah, 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 blah. Um, but because there was not a, because it wasn't approved, yep. that was the problem. That was the problem. But at that point, I was so beyond it. I was so like, so what if it ain't approved? It's sent. Yeah. It's send, right. you know. Um, that was one of the situations. And then it just awakened me at that point saying, you know what, I don't think this is me. And there were just, you know, there were some other things that the CEO, which I feel like this is one of the challenges in this um in this arena is that there was this, they were giving um, employee increases, right? They were increasing it for cost of living and just some other things and just trying to, you know, retain early childhood educators. And she had this whole thing crafted and she had sent it out like on a Google doc to all of the leadership. And at the bottom, it was signed her name. And I said, you're sounding like a white savior. Mm. I'm I've heard you, I'm coming in, I'm, I'm, I've heard what you said, I, 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 and I'm doing this, and I'm approving this, and I, 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 and I said, you are not the only person, this could not have been approved by you and you only. There are so many other people who happen to be Black leaders that you mm. need to include them in that. It's yep. not just a I thing, and you know, I said, this sounds like more of a white savior. Offended. I am going to add their names. All right. But I'm just telling you what the optics are at this point, you know, Um, she since resigned right during this time she resigned. And that was kind of a sigh of relief because there was so much that it was like heavy, it was heavy, but she was soon replaced not in well, then I got shifted and I started working with another person who I thought was like, oh, she's a person of color. Boom. We got this. It was worse. It Listen works. to can we? You know, I've been doing a lot of pausing here. <laughs> I have been. I just try to jump, get in where I fit <laughs> in. It's not my story. Shout out, but the person of color and the expectations that we have for people people of color and what they sometimes show up and give give the community. That's the right. math don't math. Nope. The math nope. don't math. The, nope. the, this just like this need the proximity to whiteness. This need to be. It's a real thing. It's a very real thing, and it and it will play out all the time. Yeah, it will play mm-hmm. out over and over again. Yeah. And I feel like um, I, you know, Asia, we've heard this story 
before and before, and I, I imagine we'll hear it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what the challenge is, though? And I think oftentimes people of color have good meaning, but there's always somebody at the top, right? We're never just at the top and trickling down. There's always, and this this happened to be a very white executive board, yep. um, white men yep. Yep. that yep. like let her know that doesn't work down there. They had their agenda, and they said, if you want to stick around, this is the way. This, this is the way you have to run it. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, so, so again, I was fighting another uphill battle. battle. And so that I was, I was at my wits end. And then I got um, notification that one of the um, educators that I had worked with had like suddenly passed away. Huh. And at that point, I was like, two weeks notice, we're done. Because I can't change your dynamics in your organization, but I could change mine. I can't be the change agent, agent, change agent in your company because you're, it's too, it's too much. It's too heavy. It's too daunting. And, and you're, you have people that are, I hate to say at the bottom, but you have your frontline workers that can't even go to the bathroom. Mm. They can't even go to the, a, a simple human need. They can, they have to literally curtail their intake of water and they are dealing with children because they don't know when they're going to get a bathroom break. And I could change, you know, I can't change that part of it because there's too many politics. One of the things that I always say when it comes to equity, you got to get rid of politics because you can't, mm. you can't, they, those two don't play well together. They, matter yeah. of fact, they don't even play together. Yep. Mm. So um, it, it made me rethink everything that I, that, that I was about, what I was standing for and what way could I make an impact um, not with the least resistance, but how could I make a change that was um, long lasting, but still serve children? And that was to go back to my own gig mm-hmm. and continue to just build that gig. Now, I never got rid of the, the um, diversity, equity, and inclusion bug, because honestly, in that moment, I knew that that was my life's purpose. I knew that that was what I wanted to do. But I was like, if I've opened up a, my own business, um, if my my husband and I have been in this business for over seventeen years, why you just why can't I just do this on my own? Yep. yep. And share what I know and continue to learn and continue to do those things, but I can't do it in this space. And so we're gonna we gotta put a pause because I can feel you coming to the this next set of questions. We're gonna go to a commercial break. And we'll be right back and um, finish up our interview. Thank you so much, Jackie. Now, Jackie was going to give us all the tea before we were ready, right? <laughs> so we're gonna we got we got order around here, Jackie. <laughs> sip, sip. Yes. So before you tell us what you're doing right now, um, for those in the audience who are working in organizations and schools, school districts and unions and places that support educators, specifically Black educators, what do you think um, are ways that districts and other places can retain Black talent, retain Black educators, if you feel like that is a possibility? You want to know, um, hmm. I'm telling you, we're leaving by the droves, I think, because we don't see ourselves. 
right? Kids yeah. don't see us, right? Yep. We're we're obvious. We're off. We're always in positions that um, require the most of us, but give us give the least back. And we don't see a lot of black educators in leadership making decisions. I don't even, even in my role as a coach, I don't see many black educator coaches. And I see it. I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of white educators and I see a lot of white coaches, professional development coaches, but wouldn't you feel more connected to somebody that shared your identity? Because I know when I had, um, a, a white coach or educator coming in. I was like, man, I don't think you know this community. I don't yep. think you know these children. I don't think you know what this community needs. Um, because not only not only are you just coming to me, but you haven't asked anybody. You haven't talked to my parents. You haven't talked to my kids. You're asking me something in the space that I just hold, right? Um, I don't even know that. I don't know that all the time, but we don't see ourselves. Um, nor are we in positions to be seen. And I think that what's happening now is, especially in our education system, we are still very, very white dominant culture driven. We are still living in that. We are still living in a systemic racial um, oppression system. And it is benefiting who it was designed to benefit still. And we have not, we may recognize it, but we have we are <clears throat> we're not aware of our power to make change. And so therefore we say, you know what? This is this can't be a space that I that I um continue to fight. The one thing that I will say is um the educator that passed away was a big advocate for black and brown children, for gifted and talented children. Like she was a mate, she was a fighter for those children and they had a space, right? They had a space that they weren't deemed to be, um, you know, rambunctious or yep, yep. she's challenged. Um, yep. It was uh, Jerry Grimes, um, really amazing woman, amazing pioneer. And like I say that um, her, her death really um, was a blow. It was a blow um, because now, 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 we we know that our black and brown children, the rate of suspension, the rate of just yep. um, even adultifying our young black girls, all of yep. those things is so um, it's so common. But as an, as black educators too, sometimes we do the same thing to them, right? We 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 do the same thing to them. But I think we're also tired of fighting. I think we're also tired of um, fending off what's inevitable right? Fending off a system that is so deeply ingrained in the fabric of our country that we, we see no end. We see no end. So we're all, you know, I know for me, I, I um, was sure retaliation would be something, right? Like, let me write her up. Let me, let me let her know, you know, she's on her way out. Let me do this. Let me do that. And let me just share this. When I resigned, guess what happened? They asked the next black girl. They asked the next black woman to take the yep. work. Yep. So we're dis- we're we're dispensable, right? It's yep. like oh, it's that's you how they don't- see us. Yeah, and and the the thing about um about asking the next black girl, she had no idea. She was like, "Hey, can can you can you talk to me about this for a little bit?" And I'm like, yep. 
Yep. I am feeling so sorry for for that because to me that just says we need a new we need a new black representation. It didn't mean that she had any more um, expertise or any understanding greater than what she had before you asked her, right? She yep. just started with the organization. So all of these pieces, it was like, that was a slap in the face, you know? Hey, she's not going to stay, you know, because I was asked to stay. I was asked, you know, would you, would you stay? And I'm like, I, no, <laughs> I can't because it would be, it would be against my moral code because I'm just so done with this. I'm just so done. Could it have been a different outcome potentially, but I didn't want to be around to figure it out. Right. I'd already kind of spun, spun my wheels in this, you know, I'd already been, couldn't sleep. Cause it was like, Oh my gosh, you should do this. You should do that. And you know, a lot of footwork, but then to turn around and just be like, you know, Hey, um, she's gone, but Hey, you, can you do it? Yeah. Next Not- one up next one up who's next absolutely um, which uh, it, it i mean it's 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 really frightening because they just dev, like go through us you know it's very performative to me that work is very performative there are so many things that it's like hey i gotta get this funding so we gotta put somebody black in that role or 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 someone of color right we gotta yep. we gotta yep. make sure that we can check that box yep we got somebody to do that and she may not she may just have the voice she may just have the voice, but the thoughts are still coming from another space. And that's, to me, that's what is defeating. And that's why I say the system is designed to do what it's doing. Yep. And it's yep. designed to keep us in a specific role. I mean, quite honestly, I don't, I, I think with all of the people of color and black people leaving this field, like, by golly, we need to start our own freaking system start our own school so that our go. kids can know that we weren't just slaves. We That's were right. kings and queens, right? That's right. We, we, the Moors, like we, there's so much more that we need our children to know. Like we, I can't keep having you come in here and feel like, like a second class citizen or defeated. Right. My husband shared with me, he remembers like when they talked about slavery, the embarrassment, right. Where people yep. were like, Oh, you used to be a slave. You know, that's, that wasn't the whole story. So when we talk, when we, when we talk about um, critical race theory, come on, why are we fighting this? You got to own up to what you did. That's why that's why they don't want to, they don't want to. And we want the system to not do it either. We don't want, we don't want, I feel like we didn't want our children to know their value or their worth. Right. Cause that would be too dangerous. Right. How dare you know that you were worth more than, which you came in here at. So, um, so that's why I say we leave this field because potentially we don't see ourselves and we don't see a way to see ourselves Yep. at all. Yep. Yep. So like, uh, you have left the field. Tell us this, the best part, one of Asia's favorite parts of the podcast. What are you doing now that you, you have gotten free? Mm. Woo. Um, Hallelujah. Um, So I, I still have my own early learning facility. Um, I, that is my joy. That is what I am doing now. I am still, I um, have opened up my own diversity, equity, and inclusion nonprofit organization. So I work um, with organizations. It's called the Cradle Community Resource Center. Um, I've partnered with a couple of organizations to really help bring 
um, I, awareness to not just diversity, equity, inclusion topics, but that topic of trust, um, that topic of culture in your in your organization, culture in your classroom, um, anti-bias education, like what does it look like? And it's not that training where I kind of just tell you like, this is what you should do. Um, it is really like having you take a really deep look at what are you doing? Um, what, what are you, not what you're not doing, but what are you doing? And how, yeah. do, how do children show up in your space? And how do you support that? Um, a lot of what I'm doing now has been, um, what's the word I want to say? It just, it was, it just fled me, um, is learning from the mistakes that I've seen other organizations make. Um, I always, I, I, at one point said, of course I'm cultural, of course I'm culturally competent. I'm black. I'd have to be. And, yep. and I'm not yep. right. I'm yep. not like there are certain we're raised black... in the same society. We, we, right. with right. the same right. racism and white we supremacist got the culture. Same struggle. Yeah. Yep. And, yep. and, and, and the thing is my, my struggle is different than someone that may be from Mexico. My struggle may be different from someone that is LGBTQI plus. Yeah. They're told they could be totally different. Do we share a struggle? Absolutely, but it's different. Yeah. Um, so I'm more sensitive to that. I'm more aware of that. I'm more aware of not it, of it not just being black and white, that it not just being black people, white people, that it being a, a completely um, different pool of struggles. So my um my goal is to continue to build that and but to to build it in a in a way um that i offer more services for folks getting back into the workforce because you know if you've been to the penitentiary there's a whole nother struggle there right oh yes get a job and all of those things but how do we help those organizations and help those um folks get back on their feet i mean we we've all done something but um really looking at those, those challenges for um, equity, right? I should, I should still be able to be a productive member of society. Um, but doing some of those trainings, uh, also doing a lot of work with parents and families. Um, we know, that, I know I was raised kind of different and I don't know if it would be legal what stuff happened to me, but that's not, that's not we're not here to judge, right? Um, but really understanding um, from a parent's from a parent's perspective of some of the challenges that they have, some of the challenges like when they go to enroll their children in school, you know, oftentimes, you know, we want to throw them on an IEP, we want to do all of these things. And I had a child, um, I had a parent that I was working with that um, he was definitely, definitely autistic, one hundred percent. I did it was not a I was not a um, you know, I, I was not an autism specialist, but I've seen enough to, to let her know that we definitely need to get some screening. And they flat out told her, well, just wait until he goes to school. He's mm -hmm. two, he's two mm -hmm. and a half now. So you want to wait until, and because of his birthday, he wouldn't get into school until he was five. We're going to wait that long. No, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. No. It's going to, you know, it's going to be a while. And I remember just going back and forth with the parent and she and I just having this united front, like, no, you are going to help this little black boy. You are yeah. going to help him. He is going to get services because by the time he gets to school, he'll be so far delayed that he won't even be able to academically compete. Yeah. You know, um, so it's really helping parents advocate, especially when you don't know, when you don't know a system like that, which 
you don't know what to advocate for. So it's really a lot about doing some of those things and helping us um, to advocate for our kids and advocate for our parents because this system, again, is set up and des- it's doing what it's designed to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. How can folks find you? Um, email, your social media? How can they, they want to reach out and um, seek your services? Where should they find you? They should find me at... Um, you can find me at Jacqueline Cradle at gmail.com. So J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E Cradle, C-R-A-D-L-E at gmail.com. Um, my organ, my child care center is Venture for Success Preparatory Learning Center. So VFS Prep. Um, so VFSprep.org is our website. Um, those are a couple of the avenues that you can connect with me. And my, so um, my Instagram is, it's just Jackie, but I don't really use it a lot. Um, I'm bad okay. with it. Um, and I'm not on Facebook. So definitely, um, I re- if you email me, I am very quick to respond and just would love to get to know um, what your needs are. Last question. Kevin, you want to ask? Most important question. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think the last two are Asia's like favorites because like... <laughs> And I think the, the last one sprung, like we, we had the, the second to last one. And then Asia's like, but wait, where there's more important stuff about like when it comes to black joy. So Jackie, what's giving you joy right now? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Put you on the spot. You know, you know, there's a lot of things giving me joy. The, the work that I'm doing is, you know, just giving me joy, like seeing these children and their innocence. Yes. Um, I'll tell you the other week, I, this was the first week a child called me hun. A child <laughs> called me hun. Yes. I had to like take a double take. She was like, I love you, hun. And I was like, did you just call yeah. me hun? Um, but I loved it. Like I felt like yeah. a little kid. I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, I love, I love hearing that I love seeing that I love that ki- children feel a connection to say that like kids don't throw I love you out right no, like, they, really no don't. they don't they, they, they got, don't they gotta feel that um but to hear that right I, like when I walk in they're hugging me like who goes to work and gets hugged um nope but to me, not a lot of people nature. not a lot of people right that's the true to me that's the um that's the best feeling in the world is that you matter to them. Yep. And I yep. want them to know that they matter to me. Um, that brings me a ton of joy. Uh, and doing a little bit of traveling a little bit. Um, uh, my husband and I are now our, our youngest son is 18 years old. So we All get right, to travel <laughs> with no, you know, we don't have to find a babysitter. We don't have to shorten the trip. There um, we go. That's, that's bringing me a lot of joy. And then, um, I have my kids, my oldest is getting married my I have a grandson and all of those things family oriented are really um bringing me a lot of joy but quite honestly um I will say that it's the innocence that I love to see before like this cruel world can just come in like come in through the door but it's it's something that I really enjoy um I will say that it's definitely changed who I am as a person um I'm a little more sensitive now um but I definitely, I see, I see the, what, what continues to propel me is that I see the need. I see what kids 
what it feels like for a child to know their worth and their value. Yep. And that's what mm-hmm. I want them to like. I want them to bust into school. Like I'm worth it. What, what that's are you right. going to do for me? Give, right? give me like, what, give me what I deserve. Give me what I deserve because, um, cause, cause I know what I deserve and I know my worth and I'm amazing and I'm all of these things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want them to, to walk into school with and not be able to, you know, not have to sit back and just accept it. So um, that is what's bringing me joy. I know that's a long list, but I got a lot of joy going on. Yeah. Oh, we love that. We love it. Yeah. Yes. Well, folks, another fantastic episode of the exam review. Thank you so much, Jackie, for coming on and talking to us. And like my final reflection is it really came full circle for you, right? Where you started with your child care center and you're you're back in a, in a in the same space but in a whole different way of thinking about it right and mm-hmm. adding that 2.0 with your consulting business um yeah and i'm sad that that the organization that you were with and folks in general out there are going to miss out on something and someone so phenomenal but your children who are in your child care space and the learning space that you provide get more of you and that's awesome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that reflection and it's so accurate. I, I came back a different person and yeah, isn't that what life is about though, right? Is, is learning and then coming back, like I'm, I'm different. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's what it's gotta be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So thank you so much. And we will see you all on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hello, y'all. Welcome to the exit interview. Dr. Lyons, how are you doing tonight? I cannot complain. The sun is already down because it's fall. I'm in my house and warm. Did did you turn your furnace on yet, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, we did. And you know what happened? You know know what happens when you turn your furnace on after the- The house uh, It didn't turn on. It didn't (laughs) heat up. So we had them to come out. They, They did some repairs. So it's running now, but but the first night it was cold. I got home, I was like, why is it so cold? Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Our trusty Dusty is literally the age of the house. And our house is built in 84 and it turned on like a gym. There but we you go. know, it smelled like dust. The whole yep. house smelled yep. like dust for a good bit. But yeah. So another fire episode, Jackie Cradle. Yes, Jackie. Yeah. It's I think the people, I think. The people will uh, appreciate this episode. Uh, there is some solid gems within it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as we, we were talking off mic, it's all too, uh, some parts too predictable. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And then with her, you know, a lot of folks we talk to, most folks are working in public school systems. Um, and she worked in a like a preschool system that was not run by a public school so like kevin and and i were talking about it's just the same thing private or public charter small large um we just keep finding the same pattern that's super unfortunate so we'll just keep on helping folks to amplify their stories that's it that's it all right, tune in for this episode. I like to I like to I like to I like to